Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And now, your host, Ben Adelberg. And thanks again for joining me here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 67. Busy week here at the Back of the Range, but thrilled to have you all listening in to this week's episode. And if I don't say it enough, thank you so much for continuing to support this podcast. It's been a great journey, not slowing down anytime soon. Weekly episodes and great stories from personalities around the game of golf. That's what you'll find right here. If you've just learned about the back of the range from a friend, or if you found us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, welcome, and you got some work to do. Catch up on all of our previous episodes from guests like Bob Tosky, Dottie Pepper, Stuart Hagestad, and Steve Scott. We released two episodes last week, just wanted to touch on those for a quick moment. Chris DeMarco joined us earlier in the week on our usual Wednesday release day. We chatted about the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup and his work on the golf channel and also his new start his new career so to speak on the champions tour and then on friday we had our bonus episode really excited to release that early with the u.s amateur champion victor hovland he's a junior all-american at oklahoma state he is heading to the masters so that was a lot of fun a lot of people have reached out to me on that episode so so both of those episodes can be found on our website thebackoftherange.com and as always we are on social media if you want to learn about upcoming episodes clips from the past or see some of my thoughts on the game of golf be an insider follow us on facebook twitter and instagram the show notes of this episode will have all those links and again pop over to the back of the range.com as you may know we have new merch in stock new trucker hats um, i'm rapidly running out of them so if you'd like one shoot me an email or a dm on social media or go to the website there's a link that says new trucker hats check it out get one ordered for yourself and uh, order one for a friend, too. That's not a bad idea. So lots of our listeners recently enjoyed the episode that we had a couple weeks ago with Paul Tesori. He's a caddy on the PGA Tour, currently working for Webb Simpson, but he also worked for Vijay Singh back in the day. Well, this week we have another great caddy from the Tour who is also a phenomenal mid-amateur player in his own right. Our guest this week is Corby Siegel. Corby is currently on the bag for Brandon Hagee, but he has caddied for... Wow, Briny Baird, Brant Job, Woody Austin, Kevin Stadler, the list goes on and on. He played his college golf at Cal State Northridge, and he did give it a go on the pro circuit for a little bit, but he did get his amateur status back, and for good reason. He's made 15 appearances in USGA championships and is the 2018 Southern California Golf Association Player of the Year. We spoke about some of the lessons he learned as a caddy, how they've applied to his own game, and vice versa. Corby's just a laid-back dude from California. He's been on tour for 20 years. He's seen it all. He's done it all. And is clearly one of the good guys out there on tour. So let's get started. Corby, welcome to the back of the range. Thanks for having me, Ben. Well, uh, I got to just, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room right now. Um, do you, Have you met anyone else with the first name of Corby? I actually have. Oh, uh, God. And I couldn't get that guy. But anyway, tell me about that guy. <laughs> right. Well, that guy was actually in my elementary school, and he became a good friend of mine. The only difference with Corby is a nickname, but my first name is really Corbett, and then his first name was Corbin. 
and we went to elementary school all together and and uh through through the middle of junior high before he moved so we were in a couple classes together and that was pretty fun because there's not too many corbys around say you you are the first (laughs) corby i've ever spoken to uh but you mentioned junior high. Uh, obviously, you know we're we're talking to you today. You're you're an accomplished amateur player, played collegiately at Cal State Northridge, and your current profession is you are a caddy on the PGA Tour. So we're going to get into a lot of that. But let's start at the beginning or pretty close to it. Give me a little bit of information. Give our listeners a little bit of information about how you got into the game of golf. Um, when I was in nine years old, uh, I was playing out in the front yard a lot with a friend, my best friend at the time, Stephen Cardarelli. And then, um, parents, parents went on vacation. So I stayed at his house for a week and all we did was play golf. Nice. Went on to, uh, first time ever onto a little, uh, par three course, shot 42 and hooked on it and kept playing all through high school and whatnot and just wanted to get better and better. And that's all I did was golf and baseball and soccer all okay. through. You know. And native, na- native Californian, by the way. Correct. Yep. So always a lot of sun out there, always playing anytime we could play. I got stuck on a golf course. If I wasn't playing other sports, I was at the golf course, no game for or practice in soccer or baseball. I was riding my bike up to play golf and hit balls and stuff. Now you mentioned um, you mentioned all these other sports, baseball, soccer. Now, how long did you keep playing those sports before you focused exclusively on golf, or did you? Uh, I stopped. I played soccer and baseball through uh, junior high. When I got to high school, I quit baseball and focused on just golf and soccer. And soccer was actually I only played. I played more golf, and then. I just played the soccer when I could sure. and it, and it worked out to be the coaches in high school actually allowed me to get away with more because by then I was already playing some tournaments and I was, I was really good in the, you know, the high school level and I was focused on that, but for them to try and get me to play the soccer cause I could play, um, they allowed more things of not, not as many practices, you know, as everybody else. So, I'm not too familiar with with the the culture of of Cal State North Northridge or or what that college team looked like. Um, I think you had a future PGA Tour player though on your team. So tell me about yeah, tell me about Cal State. Yeah, uh, so my I walked onto the team um, my first year, and then we uh, as a as a freshman, I played my first tournament. I qualified and played the first tournament and finished third in Nevada Reno's uh, tournament. And on the drive home, the coach looked at me and gave me a, a scholarship for, he said, as long as you want to play here, you got a scholarship. Sweet. Which, which was great. Then the next semester, uh, we had Bob Burns um, come into the school and he ended up uh, becoming, we were division two that year and he actually won individual nationals and we finished third as a team and so then uh, he played another another semester the next year when we turned d1 and we started playing against the pac 10s and the big west and we would always be like the one school or two schools out of getting into the regionals of that division because we were competing as an independent now in the d1 and so we would always miss out by just a couple teams 
to get into regionals to qualify for nationals. But we had a, we had a solid team. team. Yeah. You know, we had guys that had the aspirations of trying to play. And same thing as I did. I turned pro for two years. My dad gave me basically $3,000 to try the mini tour out here in California. And I played on, on that tour. I had two wins and a bunch of top tens. And I played for two years with three on $3,000. That's uh, that's pretty damn impressive because that's not a lot of money to get started with, and uh, no, yeah, that's, that's just I, I just picked and choose the you know the courses that fit my game and stuff, and I I knew I wanted to try, but in the back of my mind, I just didn't. I don't hit the ball very far, but I hit it straight. So right, it's interesting you bring that up. So you were very cognizant of your skill set and what you were suited for when you're in college and you're seeing these other players turning pro and you know what your skill set is, does that pretty much limit your, I guess your decision-making of, okay, can I do this? I mean, how cognizant were you of other players around you, not only on your own team, but at other, other universities? Oh, tons. I mean, I played with uh, a lot of players. This goes back in the day, you know, I played with Brent Geiberger. Yeah. When he was at, when, you know, in, in college, uh, I played with, uh, Kevin Riley, which was Chris Riley's brother. Yeah. Um, a bunch of names and players that have been on tour and played on tour. Jeff Gove, I played against a lot in mm-hmm. college. Uh, just names, older names that, you know, cause I'm 47 now, Yeah, but, but people that have played on tour or whatnot. And I'm just like, okay, I compete, could compete against them in college, but you could see the upside, you know, they're, they compress the ball differently. They, they hit the ball higher and, softer into different pins, you know, my ball is a lower ball flight. So I always knew that, okay, if I tried this, I was always going to have trouble to, to compete on that level. And hence when Bobby was on our team, once he got through school, he got onto the nationwide tour or actually back then it was a night tour. And while I was in school at Northridge, I went and caddied for him a couple of times. And then he got on tour while I was still at school and I caddied LA, um, Phoenix, Tucson and Flint, Michigan back then for him. I caddied four tournaments for two years for him. It was such a good experience for me because I'm still playing college golf. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm caddying on uh, a few tour events for him and helping him out. And but the difference I saw all these players back then, you know, I saw, the, you know, the Nicholson's, the Furyks and stuff like that. And it was just like, wow, <laughs> it's very eye-opening. Right, so, you're, you know, like, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is what I'm going to try and compete against? Right, and you're seeing the ball flight of, you know, these guys are hitting a four iron at the time. Four iron back there was flying 200, 205, but they're putting these pins over the bunkers, you know, four yards over bunkers, and, and they're stopping them. You know, and I'm just like, my ball would be back there, you know, at the back of the green. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just a, it was a different level. So I gave it the old try, you know, for two years of stuff. And then at that time, after that, um, Bobby had to go back to tour school again. He had lost his card and I caddied for him at the tour school. He got conditional Nike, Nike tour status again, but, uh, he ended up getting conditional status and then, fourth tournament that I worked for him, he won and then he won the tour championship. And that's how I got on tour. The next year we're caddying on tour and I've been out there 19 years or more 
<laughs> after that. <laughs> so, so let me back this up a little bit. You know, Bob Burns, he's a college teammate of yours. He goes out and you start looping for him. And then you, go to, Q, you go to Q school and then everything kind of blows up when he goes and wins the tour championship. What do you remember what your plans were in college? I mean, did, were you going to get a, I hate to say it, but you're going to get a real job or, or, you know, work the business. I was just, like, what was your plan? I, I call, I graduated in kinesiology. So I got my degree, right. Uh, which was a teaching coaching degree. I always wanted to do something around sports, you know, but, uh, and, you know, I always wanted to be golf related at the time. Okay. So I was after college and, you know, I, you know, I wanted to play that little bit of golf and I did. And then I was like 26 at the time, I believe it's 27. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm caddy. I'm working, I'm playing golf tournaments. I'm working in a cart barn at one country club and I'm caddying at another, you know, club caddying. And then Bobby had to go back to the tour school. I said, and he asked me to do that. I said, all right, well, it's time for me to grow up sometime. So if you get through, can I just start caddying for you on the, on whatever tour we get on? And he said, absolutely. And that's how it all started, caddying on tour. There you go. And you've you've caddied for, I mean, let's see, I, I have a, a probably an incomplete list here, but Briny Baird, Brand Job, we mentioned Bobby Burns, Woody Austin, yeah. Kevin Stadler, Brent Guyberger, Carl Paulson. Who am I missing? Anyone? Uh, there was a Jay Williamson. Yeah. Uh, David Bergano. Yeah. So you've been around. You've Cameron, Cameron Beckman, yeah, Cameron, Cameron Beckman, Beckman a little bit. Yeah, so yep. you've been you've been on several several bags. So I want to talk a little bit about your playing career before we fully get into just me peppering you with caddy questions about um, from the PGA Tour. But you've played in fifteen USGA championships, whether they be USAMs or US Midams. Um, you are the reigning Southern California Golf Association Player of the Year. A couple other names that have won that award is Ricky Fowler and Patrick Cantlay, but Corby just seems like it's a name that belongs on a big trophy like that. So Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. What are some of the things that you have been able to take from your day job of caddying that you've been able to apply to this success that you've seen when you're actually playing golf? I would say probably the biggest two things would be the course management, which I learned from Bobby Burns back at the start. And then Briny reiterated the whole course management deal for me. Okay. And I, when I worked for Briny, it was, I worked eight years for Briny and people asked me to this day, what his game was about. And it was straight plodding the golf course, hit it from A to B, B to C and just, manage the game, go for the pins only when it was, you know, available to him and play smart golf. So smart golf for Briny was what he taught me was, okay, I'm hitting a four iron into this hole. Water's on the right. Well, I'm going to aim 30 feet over here and I'm going to make my par. And then, Hey, I'm on good greens on tour. I'm going to roll in some 30 footers, but I don't have to try and hit it at that pin, which narrows, the gap and if I block it, you know, 20 feet, no, I'm in the water making a bogey or double. Right. So we took, we took those things out of play and Briny was the best at that. He was best at looking away from pins and, and playing to his strengths. 
And, you know, he would play, he would go for pins and go for shots. Absolutely. But when it was necessary and when it was comfortable to him, that was probably the biggest one. The other one is at, uh, I would say a lot of attitude and mental stability as far as not having so many ups and downs. You know, I'm listening to what you're saying about, about Briny Baird. Was that a conscious choice of his as far as this is the best way I think there is to play golf, or is that a protection against maybe a lack in a skill set? Like I can't bomb it or I, I need to protect against errors so I can put myself in the best situation to take advantage of my short game. And yeah, no, I wouldn't say he would protect from errors. I think his strong points were Barney was, he hit a lot of fairways okay. and he was a really good iron player. Okay. So he could manage his ball better than a lot of players on tour. But when you're standing out on, out there with four iron and, and water to the right or to the left or whatever, he would play percentages golf and play to the right, correct side of the pin and take away limit mistakes. So he was basically, instead of blow up rounds that end in 74, he's, he's just carding more seventies and just making sure he's closer to that number. Now you you've been on several different bags what is the what's the process of when you get are you getting approached by other players? You know, it seems that caddying is a very inconsistent and I mean you've been doing it for nearly twenty years. Is it is it your personality that you're kind of like, well, everything's gonna kinda of work out some way or uh, have you yeah. always been been uh, fortunate to just have bags uh, set up for you? Like how how's that dynamic for you when you're out there on tour? Yeah, everybody's uh there's a lot of different scenarios with that, which uh, with caddies. I will say there's uh there's the loyal and commit uh, loyal side and the commitment side as far as you know some caddies, especially myself. Um, <clears throat> then there's other ones that are working and looking for another job the whole time they're working for somebody. Okay, <laughs> which is uh you know I. I've been approached by a few players and, you know, for, you know, trial week here and there when my players have been hurt and stuff. And it's like, I, I have to believe in the player myself. Right. For one. Otherwise I can't help you if I don't think, you know, of seeing the games, you know, everybody that gets onto her obviously is good. Is see, is seeing their game and seeing how they act. Is that something that's going to bond with me? So that's, that's one way of uh, limiting or having more jobs as well. Cause you, you know, I gotta be, I gotta be confident in you. You gotta be confident in me. We're not going to do any favors if we're kind of not bonding together. Right. So well, that's it, one part of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that cause it kind of leads me into this other question. Um, I think Justin Rose recently, yeah, Justin Rose recently won an event and he was using uh, Gareth Lord. And, right. uh, and, and his full-time caddy, Mark Fulcher, it was, is, uh, currently, uh, recuperating from, I believe it was a, a heart procedure. And Correct. I think in the post interview, uh, uh, you know, Fuchs made some comment how, um, or I'm sorry, uh, uh Lordy made some comment. He's like, I, um, you know, I have, there are certain things that Justin likes that are different than his full-time, uh, player, which is Stenson. So, can you maybe shed some light on maybe a, a tactic or a personality trait that, that you are, that you have to kind of 
form with one player and how that may change when you go to another player. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the fact that, okay, like you may do, do one thing with one player, but then you got, you clearly re- realize quickly that, okay, this player doesn't like that. Every player is different. And one of the jobs as a caddy is seeing and, and realizing the little nuances that they do and do, do like and don't like and what they do and some of the things that they do. Like when I worked for Brand Job, when I walked the golf course, he was the first person that I had that hit it far. So I had to find out all the tendencies of the rough over bunkers, which side of the fairways, uh, the rough was, was more, more rough or not. Cause we were hitting driver all the, he was the, one of the first ones to just start hitting driver all over, all over. We're hitting driver. We're getting up there. We're going to hit wedges and we're close to the green. Got it. So you had to go up there and find, okay, left side's better on this hole, right side's better on that hole. And then, you know, so that's little things that he liked. Then Brant was the little, little routines. Like Brant would come out and I'd be on the range and I'd have, he tapes his fingers and he marks his balls and he does everything at a certain, did a certain way. Then I went, when I went from Brant to Bryony, I made so much money working for Bryony off some of the other caddies because Bryony walked out of the clubhouse at a minute and an hour and two minutes before tea time, between an hour and five and an hour and one, based on how far we had to walk to the range. So I knew down to the minute of when he was coming out to the range, and I and I knew on the range, each club that he's hitting, he would look back after a few shots. He goes, "Where are we?" And I would know you're you're a minute fast right now, two minutes fast, based on what club he was hitting. And then we left the range at 28 minutes before tea time. Went to the put- chipping green, chipping green to the putting green. Then after as soon as he's done with the putting green, and uh, I would give him a seven iron and a driver, and he would go back and hit about seven to eight more balls. Right. And then and then go to the go to the tee box. We also knew Bryony knew if we teed off first, second, or third, because he wasn't going to the tee box. If we're third up, he's not getting there seven minutes before. Tea time. He's going to walk up about two minutes before a minute and a half. Even really, everybody. Yep. He would could he wants to be loose and be ready to hit that shot after he wants. He doesn't want to be standing around and waiting. So this is a guy that yeah. So 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 you mentioned you made so much money off other caddies. Are you talking about you just laid a couple bets saying I bet you my guy walks out right about now? Yep. Basically, uh, again, anybody want to bet he walks out within a minute? You, oh, this is great. So, so, all right, because you're you're play, painting this picture that you're some sweetheart out there, this little, you know nice little tour veteran. You're a degenerate gambler, right, Gorby? I mean, how, how bad is it? Uh, I like to play. I like to play money games. That's for sure. There you go. There you go. Oh gosh, that's that's fantastic. So, I, and I guess that's a great lesson for our listeners, where you need to understand your personality and as a player when you're going out to play your game. So, put yourself in the best situation to succeed. Clearly, Bryony doesn't like to stand around. Correct, and he was and he was very direct and like on the range and at practice time and stuff. He was, you know, a lot of a lot of tour pros. You see a lot of them standing around on the range and talking to each other or whatnot. Sure. Bernie would do that here and there, but not only when he was basically done right. with his practice. He was when he's on the course or he's at the range. It was there. You get get our work done. Check the, do our check marks, 
And then, okay, if somebody you know, wants to talk, then I'll give them, you know, the time to talk or do whatever and shoot the, yeah. shoot the BS and, and then move on. Barney was, he taught the, he, he treated the golf, the golf as his job. Of course. Speaking of the job, what are some of the things that you've had to recently do in maybe the last, oh, five or seven years as a, as a professional caddy that you weren't doing when you first started? More video, a lot more video. Okay. I work, I work for Brandon Hagee now yep. and he's one of the long ball hitters on tour. Uh, he works, he's got, uh, Jason Goldsmith, Doc Larden, Brady Riggs. He's got more teachers and stuff that, that are all involved as part of the team that back in the day, only the select few had those right now. Now a lot of the players are coming up with teams of, you know, that help with everything. And then Brady and Brandon go back, you know, Brandon's only 27, but he's been working with the same teacher for 15 years who here in Southern California, I actually played against in high school. So it goes, it's a full circle. Sure. So you've, so you've seen it all. So you mentioned Brandon Hagee. So he is your, your player right now. And, you know, it's interesting. He was out for all of last year with a wrist injury and you, you didn't take another bag. You just kind of took, uh, you know, took some, I guess you took some time off to go play golf on your own and, and devote to your own game. Is that a common thing or is it, it, do you think another caddy is, would be looking for another bag? I mean, how common is that? Yeah, most, most are, uh, most are usually looking right away for another bag. You know, I did, um, I worked a couple, like last year, I worked a couple weeks for Woody Austin on the senior tour. Um, And then I just kind of waited for, for Brandon. Uh, I believe in Brandon's game and the loyalty. So I was like, okay, I'll sit around. I got offered, a, like I said, the the one week things. I got offered a few one week jobs and stuff that I was already told that can you just fill in for a week? I'm starting with so and so. I'm like, well, you know, I don't really want to just do one week. Could you want me to do a month? You know, right? I can help you because one week you're not really. It's kind of hit or miss. You're not really getting a chance to prove anything. And I know this is a, and I know this is a job. It's your profession. It's how you support your family. But just by listening to you, you're, I know you got to get paid, but you want to, you want to accomplish some things out there. I mean, you want to win. For sure. And that's the one thing that's in the back of my mind that I haven't done. I've won twice on the, you know, back then on the, on the Nike tour. And, uh, I have, I think I've, I've lost in two playoffs on the regular tour, one with Briney, a six-hole playoff in uh, San Jose. We lost to Bryce Mulder. And then I lost in a six-person, I think it was five or six-person playoff in Atlanta at Sugarloaf with, with Brant Job, And that's when uh, Nicholson won that. Yeah. In that playoff. And so I have some other second-place finishes, but that's the one thing that's lead me away that, you know, a lot of my friends have won. I'm looking for that W. <laughs> That's what keeps me going out there. <laughs> um, let me ask you a couple other questions about the uh, the life of a caddy. Uh, the necessary evil of proams. Um, I know that maybe people think that you know it's it's um, it's tough for the pro where they kind of have to entertain some 20 handicappers that are high rollers, but uh, on the golf course they're 
can be kind of a, uh, a, a headache to deal with. Uh, I bet the caddy of the PGA Tour Pro gets just in, as much of that as well. <laughs> it's uh, it all it's all comes down to the group. <laughs> okay, you, you, you can know right away in the first uh, first two holes if it's going to be an enjoyable day with the group, or if it's going to be one of those that you can't be can't wait to be done with. Like I said, if you if the amateurs come in and and are you know you, everybody every amateur wants to be come in and talk and talk with the pro and do right. stuff. There are, a lot of them are also using that as a practice round, so they're trying to trying to see the golf course as well. So you got to have just that happy medium to where the, the good groups are the, the groups that sit there and you know talk, have the fun, walking down the fairway, camaraderie around the greens, you know, get the putts in. But then when the hole's over for the for the amateur and the pro wants to take two minutes to, you know, talk to the caddy about something over here on the green and, uh, you know, figure out the greens a little bit more, let them do that. <laughs> That'll go a long way. <laughs> Instead of being in the kitchen the whole day, yeah. um, you know, give them those two, three minutes and then walk down the fairway again, ask more questions, have, have some more fun, and then let the pro, you know, concentrate again for another two, three minutes. Can you uh, can you share a, a nightmare story from one of your uh, many many proams that you've been involved in? We don't need names. We don't need the pro's name, but I'm sure there had to be one. You know, at the top of the list, that's like, oh dear God, just just go take up checkers. Right. Well, you, you, everybody's got the stories of uh, seeing. You know, you're playing, you're warming up on the range, and you're seeing so and so players that are, and you're going, oh, okay, that whoever gets him is going to be. A, have a fun day. Oh no! <laughs> well, I mean that almost that as soon as you start seeing that and and, and it's visible, it, it happens to you more often more often than not. <laughs> but uh, so we've had a couple times for sure where you know you get the guy in the loud pants or the loud shirt and he just got the cigar out and he's just nonstop talking and it's just like okay how long is this going to be? <laughs> and they show up on the first tee and there they are with you. And you're like, Oh boy. <laughs> so it's almost, so is it, it's really doesn't sound like it's as much about the planks, the, the skill of the player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, obviously different, some pros are better than others in the pro-am style. Um, I'll give you some good an example yeah. with Briny. Briny was always very polite, very professional with all, all the amateur groups. Um, but even then we're, we're there and it's okay. After, you know, 13, 14 holes, you kind of get, it's a, starts to wear on you a little bit cause you're out longer than you really want to be. And, and it just, it gets, it gets tiresome. So at some point, almost 99% of professionals at, at one point will end up hitting that spot saying, okay, I'm, done done yeah. <laughs> right now that's when i get the hint of okay now i start talking to them a little bit more right so he can so he can and tell a few stories to them you know when they ask me questions and stuff and then Brian or any other player that i work for could go off to the side and and uh you know cut by themselves a little bit more or hit a chip here or, or just get away for those few minutes you know those guys are basically looking for you or your pro to share a story that they can go back and tell their buddies that they heard from the pro and the PGA tour. They, they, and they always have something like 
So is it true that this and this and this happened? Right. <laughs> They're all, that's always the question. Or they want to be able to name drop like, well, you know, this, my, my third cousin on my father's side, well, not, not my third cousin, but my third cousin's dentist one time played with, yeah, they want to drop that on them. Um, exactly. All right. So give me, give me the one. Can you give me a, a story that you've shared with one of these pro-am guys? That's like your go-to. Like when they ask, like, so what's it like, or do you ever do this with Phil, or, do, or tell me about Tiger? And do you have one of those stories that's like the go-to? All right, this will give them exactly what they need. I've only been out a couple times with Tiger. Uh, he was a Southern California kid too, and we actually have. So one of my stories that I tell them is like, all right, he's Tiger's a couple years younger than my, myself, but we both played in Southern California stuff, right? And and supposedly the Nike. Uh, factory in, in Oregon, they, in our junior golf days, they supposedly, and I've been told this by the Nike reps that at one time, I don't know if it's still there, but at one time they had a score sheets for age divisions back from junior golf. And they had the, his name and my name on two sheets that were separate. We had both won our age, age group. So nice. that I tell them about that because they all want to know Tiger. And I say, see, I was a little older than him, but I won my age group too. Yeah, you're right <laughs> with them. I mean, same guy. I said, he just, he just has a lot more money now. But. <laughs> <laughs> so that gets a little chuckle. Then they, you know, then they want to know, okay, so where'd you play with them? And, I, and we played at uh, 20 Pines. And I said, we played with them for 36 holes and I never saw them. He's like everybody's like. How do you how do you explain that? I said, well, we played thirty six at at Tory, and we would walk down about walk off the tee about one hundred and fifty yards, two hundred yards, and we'd keep going down the fairway, and then he'd dart off either left or right because he never hit a fairway. Right. And then all you would do is see the crowd of people form a a U shaped thing, and we're in the middle of the fairway. And all, we hit our shot. And we're looking over. We can't see anything. And said, all you see is the club head at the top of the swing, and a ball come through the shoe of people every time. And uh, there it is, ten feet again. <laughs> so, so we're actually we were beating them for like thirty-two holes. I think Bobby. I think we were like four up on on them. And then Bobby three putted our, our last two holes and Tiger finished birdie, birdie, birdie to flip us. <laughs> and that was one of the first two days. And I was like, yeah, Bobby, can you not three putt the last hole? Then we would have played with him again. And maybe we could see. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could see him hit a fairway. Right. So gosh. Um, so everybody asks like, how great was it to play with Tiger? And my comment, I never like, saw him. my biggest comment is I never saw him. <laughs> yeah, what's that? What's that doing for you? Just sitting in the middle of the fairway all the time. I mean, come on. So let me let me ask you another couple other caddy questions. You know, recently, I'm not sure if you've seen this. It's kind of a big deal. Uh, Sergio completely went nuts on the greens in Saudi Arabia and took care of the bunkers. And I know you've probably been around the time when Rory Sabatini left Ben Crane behind because he was playing slow and. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think Davis Love the Third smacked and broke a sprinkler at Bay Hill one year. Uh, as a caddy, are you ever able to 
to kind of take your player to task and say, hey, you need to cool it? Or do you just kind of have to go along for the ride because it's your boss? Uh, I think there's some of both. Um, I think I was a, I was more timid, you know, my first X amount of years of, well, he's just going to do what he's going to do. It's, it's fine if he gets fined or right. it is what it is. Um, as I've gotten older, and especially with like Brandon, because um, he's the youngest that I've worked for in a long time, you know, he, you know, he got him as a rookie. I, I met him when he was in college. Um, I kind of talked to him as much as I can about doing the right thing. And he's a very professional kid. Right. But when you see him, he's, he's got a, you know, his head on his shoulders the right way. But when you see him pout and stuff, uh, you got to make sure that he's listening and doing the right thing and not getting too down and not going to do something that he's going to regret after he does it. So we have the little chat down the fairway and say, Hey, pick your head up, you know, just to make sure he reiterates of not looking like a fool out on with all these people watching and doing, you know, you know, being professional. Sure. Are you impressed with a lot of the, I mean, a lot of these young kids that are coming up, you know, uh, and the first name that comes to mind is, is Cameron champ, but there's just dozens and dozens of, of young studs, you know, Matthew Wolf, uh, from Oklahoma state just had a great uh, tournament out at Phoenix. Um, mm-hmm. Are are you looking at these ki- these these young guys coming up and saying, man, they just hit it a ton. They're going to be superstars. Or you kind of say, you know, th- there's that learning curve. They they just they're they're very very green. What are things like if you were brought in um, to talk to any one of these guys? If you put ten of them in a room and you had an hour to talk to them, what are some of the things you would mention to these young pros that they need to learn or they need to kind of keep in mind when they're starting out on the PGA Tour? Well, a lot of it is the demeanor of the person. Yeah. You, like there, there's a, there's a, it's fine to be call it cocky and right. walk around like I'm going to do it. Da, da, da. But you, you have that outlook and you come onto the, you get right on the PGA tour. You're, unless you have success in your first two months, you, you're going to be awakened because everybody on tour can do it. Uh, you know, an example, I'll give you a name with Andrew Landry. Yeah. He doesn't look like any world beater. Next thing you know, he's got, he had a, he had a good, you know, couple months and he gets a win and he's, you know, he just works hard, does the right thing. But is that somebody you would think is just going to be a world beater or, or do it? No, but he's proven and had a, he's had a good start to his career on tour because he's, he, he's very calm and does the right things and acts the right way. Then you get the, you know, the, the other extreme. And if you don't have that success, you're going to be put down right away. And then you're going to struggle to get it back. So being even keel, you know, to a, to a, to an extent goes a long way. I believe like look at Austin cook. Yeah. Austin cook was a guest in season one and yeah, you're absolutely right. Both of those guys came out of the, uh, the, uh, Adams pro tour, both of them, you know, not like you said, not real world beaters coming up and they're, they're both winners. So, and I think they're both from the seeing the even keel and being confident and, and not being cocky, you know, they can, they can survive and do the stuff you walk around. I've seen Cameron Chap, Paul, I just hit all of his butt. haven't been out with him yet, but nothing seems to face him. You know, he's just kind of going about doing his business. What uh, when you're seeing a pairing come up um, and the, and the tee sheet comes out 
other than your player, obviously, that you're with, who are some of the players that uh, when you get that pairing, you're like, okay, this is going to be a fun day. I don't know if we're going to shoot 66 or 72, but this is going to be a fun day. This is going to be a fun day at the job. Well, obviously, it's all the big names because you're like well, excited I, I, to I, get well, with I them. Well, I think obviously, <laughs> but see, I wouldn't think that's obvious. See, I would think at some point having crazy galleries and people moving, you know, like if Tiger puts out first, then they don't really care about whoever you're catting. Yeah. I, it's almost uh, the, like being in front of those groups is more, is more of a problem than playing with them or behind them. Okay. Being the, being the group in front, because it's usually the, you know, the Tigers got, you know, four or five deep. So the people that start moving, well, they're still, most people are, you know, first, the next, you know, people in line are still there watching the rest of the group because now they actually get to see a shot. <laughs> so, sure. so it is still kind of uh, outlined and whatnot as far as people. So it's not that hard, but the group in front, everybody's always trying to get up and see their shot coming in and get up so they can get in position to see something. So it's actually harder to be the group in front of like the Mickelson and Tiger and Rory and Justin Thomas and Fowler, those guys. Cause you always got to get the crowd to stop from moving, from coming up, but playing with them, you know, I've been out with Tiger. Like I said, the Tiger the one time, Phil a few times, uh, Ricky, um, you have, uh, and, and back to your, your playing career, you have, uh, this is a very cool tournament that I just recently learned about the, uh, the straight down, uh, classic out in California. So straight down is a clothing company and they sponsor this, uh, uh, two man event. You've won this, I believe, three or four times, and three times, three, yeah, yep. three times. And I mean, you're you're playing against PGA Tour pros. I know McCord's out there. I know Freddie Couples has played in this thing. Tell me about the Straight Down Classic and uh, how how do you start playing in that event? My friend is a club GM in Southern California, Scott Hine. They call him the Big Tuna. He's a kind of a big boy. How did and, he get uh, the nickname Big Tuna? You can't move past that. Yeah, he's, big tuna. he's just a big boy, and they, I think they started out as a. I don't. I don't know if I get the story 100 percent right or not, but I think they were calling him kind of the big fish of the club pros at oh, the time. I see. Okay, <laughs> and he kind of worked into the Big Tuna, and he kind of trickled back to them because he's a, become an accomplished Southern California club club pro and then hence he moved on to the GM atmosphere of it. So he's, uh, he actually has tour club at speed. Um, you know, we've played with in this tournament with, uh, like Ricky Barnes, the, the first time we won it, we played with Ricky on, on Sunday Yeah, and the two, the second, second round. And we're playing with Ricky and Ricky was talking to him the whole time. I was like, you're just a club pro. You? <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> Bullshit, <man. laughs> yeah, like you're hitting it past me. And, and, uh, what's your club head speed? <laughs> they were getting all into questions about his game. And, and during that time I was just making birdie and birdie and birdie. And that, that year was actually, it was, it was, uh, it was the first time we won it. We beat Freddie couples in a playoff. How cool is that playing against Freddie sure. in a playoff? Yeah, so that was the first time we won it. We played a one-hole playoff. They actually both made bogey, and I, I made par, and uh, got the winner. Bottle of wine. <laughs> okay, that's not exactly a PGA Tour winner's check, but you'll take it. Yeah, you, no, I guess. You got no, the I, well, the club pros, yeah, the club pros, they got a, a pretty good little purse, but 
Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you're playing all these amateur events, and I, I'd have to think that the one thing that you're using to your advantage when you're playing these amateur events is your experience being on tour and just, like you mentioned, with Brining Baird, you know, course management or being even keel or having a positive attitude. Most of the amateurs that, that, they run, that you run into, they don't have that. Uh, have you been able to share any of your experiences with any of the, your your fellow amateurs and, and kind of help them along the way. Um, you know, I'm just thinking like, well, like what are some of the biggest mistakes you see? Like if you're on the range at a U.S. Mid-Am or you're on the range at a U.S. Am, what are some of the things that you see that, that the, the common amateur is doing that, that maybe they should change? The biggest thing I'd say is they're trying too hard as far as you're playing, you're hitting the ball solid and whatnot, then limit your practice. If you're playing, if you have confidence in what you're doing at the time, you don't need to sit there and grind and beat balls. A lot of amateurs and stuff are just out there for too long and putting the stress on their body and mind and being not a hundred percent recuperated and ready for the next day for the tur- tournament round and whatnot. So I'd say practice is you want to do it, but you want to do it effectively, and that's what uh, Briny did really well. And that's what I've gotten into. Um, with Brandon, as far as limiting the practice and making it more efficient. Uh, let's see. What else could I ask you? Give me some of the caddies on tour that that you would not be that you wouldn't mind be stuck in a rain delay with having a, having a, having a, just sitting around the table chatting. Who's some of your boys on tour? Chicken Man, Damon Green, guy for Zach Johnson. <laughs> so Damon's your guy. Uh, who else? Who else is, are your guys? I hung out a lot with and roomed a lot with in my you know middle middle years with a guy named Jeff Willett. And he caddies he caddies for Nick Taylor now. Okay. Uh, after I left, after Brant Job and I split up, I gave I got uh, skillet. We call him Skillet. I don't know where Skillet comes from, other than you know his last name's Willett. <laughs> and uh, um. We hung, we roomed together, hung out a lot. He's a, he's the one that can do all the talking at the bar and I can be, I'm a kind of a quiet guy. So uh-huh. he could, we, we hang out at the bar and, you know, at the, go to dinner and I'd be the one that, okay, what time are you going to eat? He'd go to the bar, have a few drinks. I'd get there. I'd order, I'd eat with, and we'd eat together, and then I'd leave, and he'd stay there for some more beer. Still at the bar. Okay, <laughs> perfect. I never knew caddies used to drink. That's amazing. No, I'm just totally right? kidding. Um, let's see. I was going to ask you this. So, um, you know, we, there's lots of, obviously, the talk of players that with the pressure and, and dealing with their nerves. Uh, you know, they have to perform. They have to play their best when it matters the most. But you don't hear a lot of people talking about caddies getting nervous. Have you uh, have you been nervous in there inside the ropes, canning on the PGA Tour? What are maybe some of the? You know, hate to bring up any, you know, rookie mistakes or, or or bad moments, but how have nerves affected your ability to do your job? I don't know if it's nervousness. I know I felt nervous, more nervous when I play myself. I'd say on course, on tour, and stuff. I don't know if it's a nervous, but you get those goosebumps and you get that, you know, that feeling you know, the, where you're, t- you get tingly and stuff. And it's like, that's usually because something good is happening. Okay. So when something good is happening and you get those tingly feelings and stuff, I just try and use my breathing techniques that I use when I, when I play 
and I take the deep breaths and I, you know, the inhale and exhale as I'm walking down the fairway or on the green and, and I make a conscious effort to breathe before I give a, give a response to a yardage or a read of the putt or a decision making on the club. So I'm not uptight when I'm making, helping make decisions. So I use my breathing techniques that I use for my playing while caddying. That's interesting. Okay. So you're, so you, you have kind of like the crossover of taking things you've learned as a caddy into your playing, uh, in your amateur playing for sure. career, and then also taking your things you've learned as a player into your caddy life. A hundred percent. And it's helped. It, yeah, it's helped me. Like, it's like I didn't start playing, you know, I got my, I was at home, you know, when I was at home, these guys were asking me to play these club events and I couldn't play because I still, you know, I still had my pro status from, right. you know, years ago. So I got my amateur status back and then that's when I started playing the couple club events and then I started playing the Southern California stuff. And then next thing you know, I had only played in one, one amateur U.S. amateur when I was in college. And then the next thing you know, when I'm 39, I'm 47 now. So eight years ago, I started trying this stuff again and I started qualifying for these amateurs and U.S. mid-ams and one four ball and it's just taken off. Everybody's, you know, I've had a great later career myself <laughs> and now you're getting pretty close to where you're going to be able to play some of the senior amateur stuff i mean you got about six or seven well i guess about seven or eight years before you get to be 55 and get to play in that i i would have to imagine you're looking forward to that yes i'm well i'm looking forward to <laughs> another another yeah. division of tournaments you're not looking forward to yeah. 55 <laughs> yeah but i'm looking forward to i'm hopefully in my mind everybody asks me because you know everybody's seen what I've done recently and they always the question is are you going to play the try the senior tour and I might I joke and say I can't beat couldn't beat them then why am I going to be able to beat them now as they've been playing all this time and I'm just caddying and playing my tournaments and it's 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 a fun event fun events for me you know it's not my livelihood so I'm like uh, no but the one thing that I have confidence in I'm like I have confidence that, okay, I'm going to play with them in a tournament and it's going to be the U.S. Senior Open. I have, you know, I feel like, okay, I can qualify for that and then I can play with them. The only other competition that I played with tour pros is and I went to Columbus for the second stage of U.S. Open qualifying about, I don't know, eight years ago, seven years ago. And I get, I take a friend from California to caddy for, caddy for me. He's sitting in the car as I'm warming up, cause he's, you know, he's a, he has a job. So he's sitting in the car doing some work stuff and he comes out onto the range when I, I'm hitting balls on the range and I'm hitting balls between Mike Weir and Charles Howell, the <laughs> third. And he looks up at me and goes, what is this? <laughs> oh, he, oh, he didn't really understand what you, what the qualifier was. <laughs> yeah, he knew what I, was, what I was doing, but he didn't know was like, the tour site. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's right. So you're up at the, yeah. oh God. So he just didn't have any idea what you were walking into. Right. And he goes, well, what, is, what is this? And I said, well, there's more spots here and I've played these courses before. So if I go have a good two rounds and shoot seven under, I can, I can make it. Yeah. He didn't realize and you're I, going to be standing next to like a former All-American in Oklahoma State and the Masters champion. Correct. Whoops. <laughs> and so then we're playing. I'm playing with Kyle Stanley oh, before he. God. This was before he took off, and then uh, I, 
another pro, Chris Wilson, who's been a long time nationwide web tour player. Um, and so we're hitting, we get on the course and I'm like even par for the first couple holes or whatever. And then we get on this par five and I hit a good drive down the middle and Kyle gets up and hits this drive over the corner. And my buddy looks at me and goes, what the hell? <laughs> this is when Kyle just killed it. And so we walk up and we, we walked it off. It was 109 yards past me. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing because that gives me the permission to laugh a little bit because that's a, that's a, that's the record. It's still the record. A, I call it the record. Oh, that's the record. Uh, yeah, that's and uh, I just and I just saw and I just saw Kyle in, in San Diego on the putting green and we just chuckled about it again. <laughs> he said, "You still got the record, big guy." Yep. So you didn't get through that qualifier is what you're trying to say. You're right. I think I shot four over in the first round, I think, and then I shot even the second round. What are what are some of the events that uh, on your calendar? I mean, obviously, you, you know, it's it's the pro is circling the date and when they're going to play in a tournament. But uh, what are some of the some of your favorite uh, uh, PGA Tour spots uh, across the years? Worked Augusta. I've worked it twice in '06 and '09. '06 for Brant Jones and '09 for Bryony Baird. So obviously that's the number one goal. So you get into that, you're obviously always going to have a good year. So I love uh, Sawgrass. Okay. I look forward to that. I look forward to that tournament every year. Memorial and Colonial. A little more of a classic guy than some of the newer newer layouts, apparently. Well, Corby, um, I appreciate you joining me here today at the back of the range. Best of luck to you and, and Brandon Hagee for the rest of the year. And uh, we'll try and do it again sometime soon. Perfect. Thanks again for having me, Ben. And there you have it. Another great episode here at the Back of the Range. Special thanks to Corby Siegel for joining us this week. Don't forget, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. I can't stress enough how important that is. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'll see you again next week for another episode here at the Back of the Range.